Good afternoon, Packers fans. Aaron Negler here with your Packers Daily Chat, coming to you live on the Cheesehead TV social channels. It is Tuesday. The Packers knee-deep, I guess you could say, into the offseason. Of course, the headlines today are going to be about Aaron Rodgers all over the internet. No different here at Cheesehead TV. I've already put a video out about Aaron Rodgers' appearance on the McAfee program this afternoon. Make sure you check that out. I'm sure there will be questions about it. I just don't want to lead with it because, like I said, it's going to be everywhere today, probably throughout the week. And we all know Rodgers is going to take some time to make his decision. So I wanted to focus on Matt LaFleur because it's interesting. We are undoubtedly going to get announcements about LaFleur's uh, staff, what he chooses to do, whether he loses people. Jerry Gray is up for the coordinator position in Atlanta. Maybe a few other guys move someplace else in the league who he chooses to bring in. I know Nathaniel Hackett has been talked about. I'm personally pining for Justin Outen. If he you know, is made available by whoever comes in in Denver, I know his brother is, is part of the conversation now since he has been let go by the Jets, though apparently there have been a number of calls already or were actually when he's still with the Jets to try and get Lafleur too employed somewhere. And we know that Matt made a call to San Francisco back in the day and was blocked by Kyle Shanahan. My point being, we'll undoubtedly get some kind of announcement from the Packers about Matt solidifying his staff prior to getting any kind of indication from Aaron Rodgers about his plans for the future. For me, it really comes down to Matt LaFleur and his staff this season, more so than anything else. Yes, Gutekunst is going to have to make a lot of decisions and create the roster. And that is his job in the off season, certainly providing the ingredients, so to speak. But I think Matt and his staff are going to be under a microscope in a way they weren't this past off season heading into 2023, because we all saw the shortcomings. We all saw the failings. We all saw the adversity and it's real easy to be, you know, we make fun memes and do the Matt LaFleur's awesome thing on transplants. And we still, and we'll always love Matt LaFleur here at Cheesehead TV. But man, you don't really know much about a coach until he faces adversity. And Matt certainly faced his fair share this past season. I am fascinated to see how things play out going forward with Matt, this coaching staff, keeping Joe Barry, which I know is a lightning rod decision. If he does indeed do that, I'm still not 100% sure that Barry will be back. Like lock solid, that's going to happen. Although that certainly seems to be trending that way. But it's all on Matt now. There are no extenuating circumstances. And yes, even if Aaron Rodgers retires, well, then guess what? All of those, well, you know, he's got Aaron Rodgers, or what is Aaron Rodgers doing at the line of scrimmage, or, oh, they're doing all this stuff that Aaron Rodgers wants to do on the offense, that all goes away. And now suddenly it's all on Matt LaFleur and his offense and what he wants the offensive direction of this football team to look like. So it's kind of interesting right now in this kind of moment in Packers history, Matt's tenure and his career, the fulcrum at which it kind of, you know, the spotlight gets a little more intense and a little more heated certainly should come in 2023 for LaFleur. And look, I'm not intimating that I think he's under some kind of like hot seat pressure or what have you. I think Mark Murphy is going to take a 30,000 foot view. He did just sign him to an extension, though I know. Throughout the league, just because you've just signed an extension doesn't mean a whole lot. Teams are more than willing to swallow some of this contract money they pay to coaches, especially since it doesn't do anything when it comes to the salary cap. But I, like I said, I think Murphy will always take the long view, and he's going to give Matt as much time as necessary to prove himself one way or the other. Um, 
now, if they have another disappointing season, another season where they miss the playoffs next year, regardless of who's at quarterback, I think, yeah, then things start to ratchet up. Things get a little hotter on his seat. There's no doubt about it. Then maybe some pressure comes from Goody, from Murphy, to try and make some changes along the staff. But, you know, Matt wanting to stick with his guys and wanting some continuity along his staff, I think is a smart call. And I understand people wanting to kick Barry to the curb. Lord knows it's not like they improved greatly, even though they were kind of given a bunch of tools to work with on the defensive side. It's not like I think they finished 20th in DVOA this year, you know, and they had a way more talent uh, than than a 20th team in DVOA should be, should look like. So I understand the calls for Barry to be ousted, but I also understand Matt wanting to, like I said, find continuity on a staff where each and every offseason, it seems, there's been some movement, there's been some exodus, there's been some kind of ripple where he hasn't been able to keep, you know, the main core intact from year to year, whether it's special teams coordinators, he's gone through a few, uh, whether it's, you know, being handed a defensive coordinator, he didn't have much of a say in when it comes to Mike Pettin. I know technically he could have chosen his own guy at the time, but it was strongly intimated by the front office uh, through the reporting of Tom Silverstein and others that, you know, it was strongly suggested that he keep Pettin, which he did. And we all know how that ended in Lambeau Field against Tampa Bay. And then he had the moment to kind of pick his guy. And that was Joe Barry. And I understand the kind of hand-wringing of who else was available, who fans or other people might have wanted. And I'm one of them. I was not a Joe Barry guy. Still really am not. But Matt wants his guys to continue to develop and improve as a group. And, hey, if you want to go down swinging or get to the promised land and win a championship, don't you want to do either one of those things with your guys? I mean, the scrutiny is going to be crazy regardless. You know, fans are going to be uh, braying for blood if they come up short in any which way, um, regardless of who your coordinator is. So if you're going to take those slings and arrows, or again, you're going to be doused in champagne and be holding up a trophy, either one of those scenarios, I get wanting to be with the guys that you have kind of, you know, learned with, developed, kind of grown with. And yeah, and there's no kind of world where they can't improve as a unit, as the coaching staff can become more adept, better at what they do. You heard Matt in his post-season you know, press conference talking about how you know, some of the things needed to be looked at on offense as far as falling behind the curve a little bit and needing to get back out ahead. I think that's all really smart and really healthy. And I understand trying to work with a group that you've clearly come to a place after a year together where you know how to communicate, you know what works, what doesn't, trying to shift and mold that rather than always continuously bringing in new voices, firing people, trying to bring young guys up who probably aren't ready yet. I just think one more year for Matt LaFleur to kind of work with the guys he has chosen is a smart way to go about it. That's is my two cents about it. And like I said, I'm sure we'll hear about his kind of staff movements here way sooner than we hear about Aaron Rodgers definitively playing yes or no next year. So that's why I wanted to talk about Matt LaFleur today. Hope you're all doing well. Good to see everybody in the comments section. So Krista's here. Of course, Krista's here. And Johnny Rivers is here because he's a diehard. Smalls, thanks for the super chat. I was promised the last dance, but instead I got two good dinners, two awful desserts, and at the end of the night, two dads with chiseled jawlines and Boston accents chasing me around with shotguns. MJ and Scotty, 12 and 17, were not. 
Wow, that is a that is an analogy right there, my friend. That's well done. That's well done indeed. Are you ready for Last Dance three? Because here it comes. Lord, Lord help me. I can't handle it. I just can't handle it. Jonathan, how are you, man? Thanks for super chat. If Love ends up as QB one next season, do you see Matt and company going with a younger backup to develop or a vet backup? I think some of it will depend on how the draft falls. I think there's a good chance they draft a quarterback regardless, and that'll be fun. But I think it depends on who they end up uh, or who is available when they draft. Um, Maybe they bring somebody in prior to the draft as a vet who they can then release if they get a guy they like. Um, I suspect they'd prefer a vet more than likely, but it really kind of depends on who's available when and how things you know correspond with Aaron's decision, and then okay, now that roster spot is opened up, and who do they bring in, and who's available? Um, I have to expect Rogers is going to make that decision before the start of free agency. He has intimated before he's not going to hold them hostage, so they should have their pick if that were to be the case. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that a guy they like or you know guy they think could work behind Love as as the backup is going to want to come to Green Bay. Maybe. You know, there's a guy out there that wants an opportunity to start and thinks maybe if Jordan falters, I can get a chance. A lot of levels there and a lot of conversations to be had. But my suspicion is, yeah, they probably prefer a vet, but I still think they look at a young guy in the draft, regardless of whether Aaron's back or not. Vex, thanks for the super chat. Can't wait for the spineless front office to run it back again and jettison Jordan Love for peanuts while torpedoing our future. Things will be different this time, right? Now, look, you, you're talking about torpedoing the future. I mean, there's no guarantee that Jordan Love is going to be a long-term viable starter in the NFL. I certainly think he's going to be, but that's not, you know, God knows Nagler's never right. You know, nothing is a sure thing. I understand the reticence to turn the page. I understand wanting to try and make it work with Aaron one more time. I'm not saying that, like, that is completely out of the realm of logic or, you know, uh, rational thought. It's just a preference, you know, just because they would maybe as to, to your nomenclature here, torpedo the future. Uh, I, I just don't think that's, you know, cut and dry. And that's what makes it such a difficult decision. You know, I mean, hell, you know me, Vex. I would have done it last year, but here we sit. Menace, thanks to Super Chat. Who's one player coming out of camp, not counting free agents, draft picks you thought was going to be a huge contributor and disappointed you? Tyler Davis in 22. Oh, man, that's interesting you say Tyler Davis. I mean, he wasn't insanely productive, but he played much better in the second half of the season than anybody was giving him credit for in training camp. I mean, camp, you know, is such a kind of mishmash of goals and what they're working on, and guys can rise and fall. And I know Davis had some rough preseason games, but he played well for what he was asked to do. You know, I just don't know what people were expecting. Did you think he was, like, going to come out and put up, you know, George Kittle numbers or something? Um, one player coming out of camp, not counting free agents or draft picks. I mean, that kind of kind of limits the scope there, right? Um, one player coming out of camp, probably you know what? Uh, probably Rasul Douglas early in the year. Um, I didn't see his struggles coming out of camp. Uh, I thought he had a really strong camp, and then you know, somewhat because of most likely being played in the slot when he's very clearly a perimeter guy. Uh, that that experiment did not seem to. Um, not seem to produce results, at least not positive ones. So that would be probably mine. Jeezy baby, thanks to super chat. 
We haven't fully seen Matt LaFleur's offense. I think we need to see a year or two of his true offense before we make major proclamations. Vikings are frauds. <laughs> I mean, that's a major proclamation you can make because the Vikings are always frauds. We know that. Mm. Yeah, the Matt LaFleur offense is an interesting thing, right? You can kind of pick it apart because, of course, in L.A., McVay was calling the plays, and then you go to Tennessee, and it's not like he had a lot to work with at the quarterback spot. Though I know Titans fans hated how uh, he juggled the running back position and kind of like follows him to Green Bay with every one of us trying to tell him to run Aaron Jones more. They all wanted him to run Derrick Henry more. But I think, yeah, the Matt LaFleur fulcrum, as I called it earlier, is so fascinating to me because, yes, if Jordan Love is the starter next year, you got all the excuses, whatever you want to call them, about Aaron Rodgers are all off the board. And then it is all on you as a play designer, game planner, play caller. Though he has said, he did intimate that he is open to possibly giving play calling duties to someone else, which that would be fascinating. But yeah, the Matt LaFleur offense will be a very interesting thing to see whenever it is unveiled. I just don't think it's going to be this year. Joe, thanks again. Super chat. Packers 39 and 10 with Ty Summers 8 and 9 without him. Look at you. Look at you trying to get People all riled up. I mean, uh, I, I think uh, Brandy Lewis is going to come after you. Uh, I hate to say it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Abdul, thanks for the Super Chat. I get 17 wanted to leave, but why didn't we keep MVS? Oh, now that is the question. I get they were trying to shed salary cap, and those are the hard choices you have to make, right? When you're kicking the can down the street, you're going to lose guys that you don't think you can kind of fit into your cap structure. And once they traded Devontae, they had a lot of space, but they used that space making sure they could re-sign Devontae Campbell and Russell Douglas. MVS getting what he got from Kansas City. I just don't think the Packers were going to ever approach that number. I'm with you, though. I mean, I don't think you have to look much further than how different that offense operated with MVS on the field and without him. The most stark example of that, of course, is the playoff game. When without MVS's presence there, 
and the ability of the defense to completely key on Devonte Adams changes the entire di- changed the entire dynamic. I'm with you, man. I just think they they wanted to become a more rounded team, and in trying to do so, they kind of cut their uh, nose off to spite their face a little bit. And I, it's sometimes that's the price of doing business. Uh, I think if the defense had performed better, if obviously that side of the ball had coalesced and become a real, like a top five unit, then you could kind of understand, right? You could say, all right, it's, we, we, we took us a little bit of a step back here on offense. Clearly they found some pieces for the future in, in Watson and Dobbs and maybe even Torre. And, but they, yeah, they had to find their way and they took a step back, but we did so because we knew or we had hoped that this side of the ball on, on defense was really going to rise up and almost maybe change our identity. Obviously, none of that happened. And that's why the MVS kind of decision really hurts to my eyes because the offense was completely different with him out there. Michael, thanks for Super Chat. How big of a difference is Jordan Love's first year being 23 versus 24? At this point, do you think it's stunting his growth if you make him sit another year? I don't know if it's stunting his growth, but it's just delaying the start to his development because he's done what he's going to do as far as sitting on the bench and learning and doing kind of walkthrough stuff or scout team stuff or whatever he does when Aaron Rodgers is getting vet rest days or, you know, he's done all that. And he's run the number ones with the number ones for what, two off seasons now? You know, all the spring stuff and the OTAs and all that operation uh, in and out of the huddle, knowing the plays, adjustments at the line of scrimmage, reading after the snap, all of that he is doing day in and day out with the ones when Rodgers isn't there. And then during the season, you know, he's he's getting minimal amounts of snaps with the ones. Although, like I said, that rest days, especially this year with the thumb, he got a lot more action with the ones. And I think that kind of showed when he got his opportunity against Philly. He looked very comfortable running the offense. But yeah, at this point, I don't think there's much more he can do. Uh, he's got to play. If you sit him another year, you're just treading water instead of kind of jump-starting the next chapter and letting your young guy start figuring it out. I mean, look, I think no one's going to confuse him for Jalen Hurts anytime soon, but you look at the struggles Hurts had initially, you know, and people were writing him off and saying, oh gosh, he's terrible. And if you don't believe me, Go back and look at the live tweets of any game that the Philadelphia Eagles played in prime time a year ago. And then fast forward to this season and look how good Jalen Hurts looks. Well, yeah, because he played. And yes, they helped him. They got pieces. They went out and got A.J. Brown. Like, yes, I understand the team also developed along. But the young quarterback at some point needs to play to get better. And Jordan Love is at that point. He was taken as a very young prospect. You know, no doubt about it, he was a project coming into the league. But they have done what they can do with him in the environment that they've created. The next step for Jordan Love is to play, which is why it's just frustrating beyond belief that they didn't turn the page last year. Because now we would have had a year of Jordan Love starting under their belt. And this could be the year he'd be blossoming into a much better starting quarterback. But instead... They are treading water on a guy where if you have a quarterback on his rookie deal, that is when you can take advantage of that fact. Add pieces because your quarterback contract is so low. But now that's all shot to hell. Tyler, thanks for the super chat. 
How can a DC that went 0-16 grow in year three at Green Bay? Well, because he's got more talent. He's got better way of working. He knows what works against what offenses, and he's running a completely different scheme than when he went 0-16. 0-16 is a team stat. I know people like to throw around kind of that albatross around Barry's neck, but it's not like, you know, look at this team this year. There were a number of games where the defense played well enough to win where the offense just shit the bed. That's not on the defensive coordinator. But by the way, one of those games was the win and get in game. Absolutely a billion percent. If they're not kicking field goals to start that game, they win that game. Dave, thanks for the super chat. I love Aaron Jones, but how many games would he stay healthy for if he was used as much as the fan base wants him to be? Let's find out. Is that a good one? Did I answer that question? I mean, we keep making sure he's not overused, and we keep like, oh, making sure that they don't, you know, too much wear on the tires. Meanwhile, they're keeping points off the board and punting instead of picking up first downs. Football's a contact sport. Guys get hurt. Utilize him. He's your best offensive weapon. And I'm not saying no one thinks he should be a 20-carry-a-game guy. But like, you know, three carries and a half? Come on now. Come on now. If you can't give the ball to a dude more than three times, why is he out playing football? Come on. Uh, Buddha, what's up, man? Hey, Nags. What has Matt LaFour done to grow as a coach since that Kansas City game where love started? That's an excellent question. I'd love to get an answer to that one. I'd love to talk to Matt about it. I haven't been able to yet. Uh, I will say, though, I was heartened by you know the fact that Jordan did look as comfortable as he did in the offense in in Philadelphia when he had to come in for Aaron um that said doesn't really answer much as far as what would a game plan look like if Jordan Love is the starter Um, that was my biggest disappointment in that game was it really felt like Matt kind of inserted Jordan into a game plan and an offense that was completely designed around Aaron Rodgers. And I understand that's what you build all offseason. You're not, you can't just rip it up. I get that. But you can change what your tendencies are. And you can, you know, you've got play calls that don't feature spread formations or ask your guy to be in the gun a bunch and go empty, especially as they continue to all out blitz you. Like, yeah, that it was an unfortunate day, not just for Jordan, but for Matt. There's no question about it. How has he grown since then? I'm fascinated to find out. No doubt. Uh, Dolphin, what's up? Thanks for Super Chat. Hey, Nags, if Goots traded for an impact player when the Packers won 13 games, would we win a Super Bowl? Also, why don't the Packers change up their philosophy? Well, they did, Dolphin. Did you not notice all the cans that were kicked the last two years? That has not been the Packers' MO. That is a complete change in philosophy. Now, some of that was driven by the pandemic, but some of it was driven by the fact that they wanted to keep the band together, so to speak. And they thought they were real close to winning a championship. And now they sit here with real issues and problems in the salary cap because they did exactly that. They changed up their philosophy. As for trading for an impact player, I mean, these things, are that could be, like, who is that? Literally anybody. They tried to trade for Chase Claypool, for God's sakes. Is that an impact player? You know? Like, I don't know, man. Like, could it? Sure. But I don't think an impact player when they won 13 games, unless it was a left tackle, was going to mean much against Tampa Bay. 
wasn't going to mean much against the 49ers. You know, David Bakhtiari being hurt really, really threw a wrench into a lot of their chance on these last two seasons. And the fact that he's back now and played in an all pro level certainly bodes well, but you'll never get that chance back. Um, so yeah, it could, I mean, man, you gotta have to be more specific. If they had traded for X player, like maybe, but I doubt it, you know, it's just, there's way, way, way. It's so very, very, very rare that a player comes in and completely changes things. I mean, I understand, especially this season, when you look at what the 49ers did getting Christian McCaffrey and you see how seamless that's been and how productive he's been, people will sit there and go, oh, they should have done that. Well, should they have traded for Christian McCaffrey? They've got Aaron Jones, who they don't even give the ball to. You know, their offense runs through their quarterback. Not That's not going to – in San Francisco, they're literally helping a rookie out. You know, every situation is different. Every way of working is different. It's never just as easy as just add a dude. Sanjay, thanks for the super chat. Do you think the team would be better off if Matt LaFleur turned over play calling to someone else? Who's the someone else? Who's to say they wouldn't be worse? Remember when everybody was clamoring for McCarthy to give away play calling, and then he did, and Tom Clements stunk up the joint? I don't think Matt's the greatest play call play caller of all time, but I think he's got a decent feel. He's got a good rapport with the quarterback. And more often than not, he, he gets in a decent flow. Once the game starts, his openers used to be great. They have fallen off, has to fix that clearly needs to do whatever needs to be done to work and fix the red zone offense. But uh, yeah, again, like, it's, sometimes it's better the devil, you know, and I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm not saying you shouldn't, you know, not even think about it. Like, yeah, sure. Think about it. But, to who is you Adam Stenovich? We're gonna go three yards in a cloud of dust here. I kid, Adam. I kid. I, I kid. But you know, it's I, I don't. It who's the candidate? Who are you handing it off to? What are their qualifications? I mean, I think Getzy kind of started to figure it out down in Chicago. But you saw how tough that was at first, working with uh, Justin Fields in the Chicago offense. You know, it, it's never just like insert play caller. Look at Nathaniel Hackett. He was so bad. He got fired. Now, a lot of that is because he lost the locker room, et cetera. But, man, it's not like he was handed some bum. Russell Wilson, as poorly as he played this year, he couldn't even get him on track. He couldn't even, like, pick up first downs. Couldn't even get him playing solid football. Justin Outen, I think, called some nice games after Hackett got fired. You know, but who would have thunk that? Justin Outen was a tight ends coach for Green Bay two years ago. You know? It's all a question of who. I. I Sure, but I just don't know who the guy is. Me. You should give it to me. No, don't do that. Smalls, thanks for the super chat. 12 asking for all his buddies back is getting old, especially since having them didn't get it done the last three years. This is starting to feel like LeBron, and I hate basketball. <laughs> I touched on that on my Rogers video. You should check it out because I'm kind of with you, man. Uh, at some point as a general manager, Brian has to say, like, look, man, I, I, I understand what you're saying, and I understood your disgruntled summer a couple years ago where you wanted more communication. Well, here's me communicating to you for me to do my job. I've got to be able to move on from some of these guys. We can't keep coming back to, you know, bringing back old aged veterans and expect them in a young man's game to improve or get us to a better spot. At some point you got to recognize that it's time to make some turnover. And that doesn't mean you can't have a guy here or a guy there, but when you've got, you know, big dog, Randall Cobb, Mason Crosby, hell, throwing in Alan Lazard at this point, you know, 
These are guys who have been there for a long time, and they keep kind of banging their head against the wall with the same guys. Bring in some youth, bring in some talent, some explosiveness, some 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 upside. You know, I understand. Again, I, I get it. I get the the glue aspect when it comes to the locker room, the veteran presence. I'm not saying get rid of all of them, but man, needing all of them back so your quarterback can be happy. That just feels that feels like a bit much. Lord Scotland, thanks for the super chat. Thanks for all the Packers content. Oh, thank you, man. I really appreciate that. Thanks so much. Uh, what else we got here? John, thank you for the super chat. Agree with Smalls. This is a football team, not a social gathering to hang with your friends, throwing the pigskin around. It's time to see J-Lo at quarterback. <laughs> well, that took a turn there at the end. I mean, it might be time, but I don't think it's time, if you know what I mean. I think that's where we're at. I've said it once. I'll say it again. I think we're all right back here next January talking about the same stuff. I can't wait. There you go, everyone. Uh, I, I got to get going. I can't thank you enough for hanging out, talking Packers each and every day, Monday through Friday, right here on the Cheesehead TV social channels. Please do me a monster favor. Hit like on the video, subscribe to the channel, and then tell your friends and tell your family. Cheesehead TV, we are devoted to Green Bay Packers fans worldwide. Thanks a lot, everybody. Have a great night. Go Pack Go. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.